Good morning. It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock, and it is Froster Buns Friday. We'll talk about uh, citizens' review boards. I'm not a big fan of those for law enforcement, and I'll, I'll explain to you why in, uh, in just a few minutes. But in that uh, most recent Republican debate, Chris Christie pointed out that uh, Donald Trump's trade wars didn't really ac- accomplish anything. And he's right. And I remember when he was pushing these tariffs that I was arguing with listeners, this is a bad idea. Trade um, is essential. And this idea that there's a trade imbalance doesn't make a difference. The only time historically that we didn't have a trade imbalance was during the Depression. Which ought to be, a you know, some kind of a light bulb should be going off. But Chris Christie uh, was responding to uh, Haley's comment about trade. And he said, you can't say he, Trump, was good on trade. He didn't change one Chinese policy in the process. He failed on it. All he did was impose tariffs, which raised prices... For uh, every American, he's exactly right. The trade war was a failure. For In the first place, the trade imbalance continued to rise and continues to rise now. It, it did not accomplish what it was supposed to. Uh, tariffs went up, uh, taxes went up, the prices went up. On steel, aluminum, solar panels, washing machines, uh, and a lot of other things that we bought from China. And you paid for it. His economy, if you had cut taxes the way he cut taxes and not inflicted this trade war, which is a tax hike, he would have had a GDP that would have blown everybody out of the water. But he, he, he did this trade war thing. He did accomplish uh, phase one. Uh, Reason Magazine has a great article on this. This was the trade deal in China that he signed with uh, Xi Jinping. And it was, a, it was supposed to compel China to buy $200 million more of American exports annually. Uh, those increased purchases... Uh, they were supposed to to be spread across multiple sectors uh, of America's export economy. Trump promised this was going to provide uh, relief to farmers and manufacturers and businesses um, that were harmed by the tariffs, which was an admission that the tariffs harm people. Trade wars harm people. Well, China didn't do it. Analysis uh, was done by Peterson Institute for International Economics, American exports to China didn't even reach pre-trade war levels uh, in that first-year deal that was in place. Both countries have quietly dropped any pretense of following through on the agreement. It didn't do anything. Tariffs are taxes, and you pay for them. He took from one pocket and put in the other. He took the money that he was getting in income taxes and reduced it and then increased the taxes that you pay for consumption. He said his policies were going to reduce America's trade deficit, the annual gap uh, between import and export, which, by the way, as I pointed out, is not important. 
continued to rise while he was in office. So the trade war is was a horrible idea. It still is. He also was supposed to deregulate, and he started off on the right track. I thought impressively so. But it turns out that that was only temporary, the first year or so. And then the regulations increased at a humongous rate. That's, you know, that's not all. He added something like $9 trillion to the national debt. I'm telling you, he was not the small government advocate that it turned out to be. I like that he lowered the income taxes. I like that he didn't get us into more wars. I like the beginning of the administration when he said he was going to deregulate, and he made some very valid points. But overall, and it still makes him a better Republican president than a lot of other ones we've seen, but overall, I'm telling you, the guy is not a saint. He is not. Um, There are... Other Republican candidates on the board that I think would be more saleable to the American public that could serve eight years, not four, that aren't um, as old as he is, and that is an advantage, being younger, healthier. Not, you know, I'm not saying he's at death's door, and I do think he's better than Biden in every respect. But this idea that he was a saint and the greatest president that ever lived and he's the only one who can blah, 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 just doesn't hold water. I think the Republicans would be much better off if they took DeSantis. I'd even take Ramaswamy. Honestly, I would. If he understood a little bit more about our foreign policy and its history... He could eviscerate Nikki Haley on foreign policy. And Haley is, I think, going to get us into a war. She has uh, no problem embracing war and Americans, uh, you know, continuation of America's foreign policy. Uh, I, I just don't think she's the conservative that a lot of people think. That's where I stand. You may disagree, and you are free to, because it's Frost Your Buns Friday. We'll take your calls on this or any topic that's on your mind. 874-9390 or 800-529-5572. That's how you get in. Uh, In the meantime, police and holding them accountable? I don't like citizen review boards. I'll explain why next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It's eleven uh, seventeen, and uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, police. Uh, the, the story is uh, local here to Columbia. Uh, a, a, a Democrat here in Columbia, uh, State Representative David Tyson Smith, pre-filed a bill that would make it easier for civilian police review boards to investigate. Uh, police officers when somebody says they've done some, you know, some abusive thing. So let me let me preface this part of the conversation by saying I don't think that the police are all angels. They're not. Just like in every occupation and every walk of life, there are bad people and good people. 
Overall, I think police represent good people. Here's the problem with having a citizen review board. Oftentimes, police are in a position that nobody else is in. And it's a uniquely dangerous position. Police officers driving down the highway. Somebody whips past him at 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. Bink, light goes on, sirens wail, follows the person down the road. The person pulls over. Now the police officer is going to get out and be completely exposed. He's not sitting in a car. He's not a great distance away. He's going to stand in front of or next to or slightly behind, if he's smart, slightly behind, I think, uh, the uh, driver's side window. And he's going to ask for a driver's license. Now, if it's just an ordinary citizen who just happens to be speeding, he's going to provide the insurance. He's going to provide the license. The, the ticket will be written or a warning, depending on how what the situation is. And the police officer is going to go away. The police officer might be pulling over a murderer. He might be pulling over someone who hates police. Who knows? who The, the cop doesn't know who he's pulling over. So he could, instead of standing in front of or, you know, uh, next to a uh, an ordinary citizen who's just got a lead foot, he could be standing next to someone who wants to kill him. So every single time the a police officer responds to a citizen, his or her life is at risk. Because they don't know which one of those drivers they're going to stop. The murderer or the guy with the lead foot? You don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be shot at. I know what it's like to have someone point a gun at me. That's happened to me. But I don't know what it's like to be actually shot at. Here's what I do know. I do know that they, law enforcement, have fractions of a second to respond to the threat. They, they tell you to do something and you don't do it or you make a move that they recognize as, you know, possibly pulling out a gun. They've got to respond. And if they don't respond right away, they could be the dead body. So it's very difficult to sit in judgment of all that when you haven't been in their shoes. When... When they're faced with trying to subdue somebody that is perhaps armed or who is crazy or who just hates cops or whatever it is, don't want to be arrested, don't want to go back to prison, that is a very dangerous situation. So if you're going to sit in judgment of somebody who is involved in that kind of activity, a police officer whose job it is to face that kind of threat... You need to understand what it is that they're facing. You need to have been trained the way they're trained. You have to know what it's like to be under that pressure, to have to make a decision in fractions of a second. I don't think the average citizen can do that. I don't like citizen review boards. I would prefer that you have perhaps... Retired law enforcement officers. And they could be from different cities, could be from the county, could be law enforcement from, you know, the sheriff's office. 
when there is an allegation made, let law enforcement look at it. Doesn't have to be current law enforcement. Just have to, It just has to be people who have been in those shoes and understand the stresses involved. Because I don't think the average person can do that. I think former law enforcement, perhaps, law enforcement from a different jurisdiction, perhaps, and it could be anonymous, I don't care. But citizens? Nah. I don't think they have the knowledge base. I don't think they can easily grasp what's going on when the adrenaline is flowing, when their life is at stake, when decisions literally have to be made in fractions of a second. I do have advice for you, though, if you're stopped by the police. And it will work 99.999% of the time. Do as they ask. Don't get snarky. Just do as they ask. They tell you to put your hands up, put your hands up. They tell you to stand on your head, do your damnedest to stand on your head. If they're unreasonable or they're wrong, you take them to court. You're at least alive to take them to court. You are definitely going to get hurt if you fight them. And if you disobey them, you know, if they tell you to pull over and you don't, well, you're asking for the, you're the one who's at fault. You start wrestling with them, you're the one that's endangering yourself. That's my advice. That's my opinion. 874-9390-800-529-5572. Rick, good morning. Yes, thank you, Gary. Hey, in the last several months, two Columbia police officers lost their job for doing their job by controlling some out-of-control druggie, had to punch him in the face about four times, and believe me, it was love taps. It wasn't brutal, I'm going to hurt you. It was to get the guy's attention. And I feel sorry for those officers for being fired for doing such a good job. And, uh, you know, and this goes on and on and on. Uh, in Boone County, Missouri, what? Murderers get, the ones that pulled the trigger get seven years in prison. Uh, over at Herman, the police officers that were maimed and lost their lives, uh, I blame the governor of the state of Missouri for this criminal reform that they passed went the wrong way. And, of course, they closed two prisons. We need to lighten up the load on the courts and the police. And the only way to do it is to keep these dangerous criminals off of the street. Well, you can, I'll tell you what you can do. You can quit making victimless crimes, crimes. Uh, and then the police have even less to worry about. There are all kinds of things that we can be doing. All I'm saying is that, it, you know, just like every profession, there are bad people involved uh, at some point. Have them have, have law enforcement, uh, if you're going to have a review board, make it somebody who's been in their shoes. Somebody who understands the pressure. Rick, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Joshua, welcome. Hey, Gary, how's it going? All right. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the review board. And, you know, I think it's really interesting that 
I think that people have forgotten that the way that you reduce the outcome of a crime is the experience you have with an officer when you're committing a crime is not meant to be pleasant. It's a, it's meant to be a punishment. So it's the unpleasantness that's supposed to teach you a lesson. If you're, if it's pleasant and you're committing a crime and nothing happens, then you're not going to learn to stop committing the crime because you're just not going to care. Yeah, there's no incentive to stop. Exactly. Well, I think most police do their job and do it very well. In Columbia, and I know several police officers, uh, both current and retired, uh, that I have the greatest respect for. I think they do a pretty damn good job. Uh, but, you know, you, you get somebody, um, you know, screaming that uh, they were, they shot this guy who was, uh, you know, coming at them with a knife. And that was just so unfair. And it's like, bravo, Sierra. You're coming at me with a knife. If I got a gun, I'm shooting you. Uh, that's no that's no reason for a review board. But if you're going to have one, make it people who've been in their shoes, who've walked that mile. All right, Josh, thank you. Joshua, thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, let's see. This is uh, Michael on uh, Donald Trump. Who else could take a bigger hammer to the D.C. apparatus than Trump? Well, did he take a big hammer to the D.C. apparatus? He he didn't um, didn't accomplish anything with the tariffs. He increased the national debt. Regulations, in fact, did go up under him. What what did he do? I, I'm just curious. He cut taxes, and that was good. And he didn't get us in any more wars. That was really good. This belief that he's the only one that can fix the republic, it doesn't sound like it holds water. All right, uh, we've got uh, so much more to do, and we've only got a half an hour to do it, and, and then Brian is going to throw us both off the air. Uh, that seems so, well, unfair, but okay. We had prohibition with alcohol. It was a failure. And then the left learns, and the right learned something, and that was that they could just arbitrarily decide to tack, uh, taxes on to products that they don't want you to use. And uh, Reason Magazine has a place, uh, a story here, World Health Organization wants to raise taxes on alcohol uh, and uh, sugary drinks, it's not actually prohibition. It's just driving the price up in order to deter people from using it. Oh, they have to. Be, why, Brian? Well, because you're, you're too stupid. stupid. Uh, but it does work. I mean, one of the first inroads to reducing the number of smokers in the country was to raise the, the taxes on cigarettes. If you don't want people to... Uh, smoke. Oh, and by the way, did you know they are advancing their anti-menthol cigarette? Yes. Ah, Unbelievable. Believable. Oh, I, I couldn't believe that they actually advanced it. We'll cover all that ground the next few minutes. It's the Gary Nolan Show on a Froster Buns Friday, the Zimmer Radio Network. This 
is the Gary Nolan Show. Keith, I will take a look at that link in just a minute. Uh, in the meantime, Keith sent me Keith sent me a, a link. Uh, here are some of uh, the, remi- the re- reminders of what uh, Donald Trump did. I don't, I'm not sure we're going to have a chance to go over this uh, this hour. Uh, I will try maybe during the next break to to read this. But in the meantime, prohibition. Somehow the government thinks it is their job to make sure that you eat the right foods, drink the right liquids, get enough exercise. They are, in fact, in charge. They are the nannies in charge of your body. You, You think the most precious thing you own is you, and they don't think so. So, I mean, we tried prohibition of alcohol. It was a failure. Uh, Now we've got this prohibition of drugs. It's been a failure. Now they're going to go after uh, the tobacco industry in a rather unique way. Here's their argument. Blacks smoke menthol cigarettes. Ergo, we should ban menthol cigarettes. So, right away, I want to pull the hair out. It's like, oh, my, you crazy. Are you stupid? It's not even your job. It's not even, it's not the, go- the, the job of the government to make sure that people don't smoke. Much less to, you know... Go pick on one group of people. And I don't care if the tobacco industry targeted blacks. The tobacco, tobacco industry is allegedly targeted everybody. That's what all people who sell products do. It's not the government's job to protect you from your own behavior. And certainly banning menthol cigarettes is going to be a problem. I, I mean, I can just see it now. We're going, to, we're going to see menthol cigarettes smuggled in from outside the country. And anybody trying to, uh, to solve the demand problem for menthol cigarettes will be vilified. Yes, we banned uh, menthol cigarettes and these scofflaws, these dirty rats, they're smuggling menthol cigarettes in. We will arrest them. We will hold, we'll, I mean, that's what's going to happen. And then if you've got a cache of menthol cigarettes that you're selling and somebody steals them, you can't exactly go to the police, now can you? Yeah, there's a gang across town and uh, they stole our menthol cigarettes that are illegal. Uh, So could you go arrest them? No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be like the drug war. People will, you know, get guns, go after their products and shoot each other up. And the next thing you know it. Uh, you know, they really get a bad reputation. But that's what happens when the government gets involved these days. It's not their job. It's not their business. Stay the hell out of it. If I want to smoke, I'll smoke. If it kills me, it kills me. Maybe I'll regret it. I don't know. But if, if that's what I want to do, I should be allowed to do it. I should be able to do whatever makes me happy. As long as it doesn't hurt you. If if hitting my foot with a hammer makes me feel happy, doesn't hurt you, it's none of your business, I should be able to do it. If smoking marijuana makes me happy, I should be able to do it. Doesn't hurt you. Same as tobacco, same is true with all drugs and alcohol. And menthol cigarettes. The government has no business getting involved in it. However, they are. Uh, The World Health Organization 
by the way, your tax dollars, majority funding that, uh, said that they want to raise taxes on alcohol, among other things, and sugary sweetened drinks. So the World Health Organization is telling the United States, raise taxes on 7-Up and Coca-Cola and root beer and anything with sugar. Because those, you know, those refined carbohydrates aren't good for you. World Health calls on countries to increase taxes on alcohol and sugary sweetened beverages. This is from December 5th, their press release. A World Health Organization is releasing new study that show a low global rate of taxes being applied to unhealthy products such as alcohol and sugary sweetened beverages. The findings highlight that the majority of countries are not using taxes to incentivize healthier behaviors. How is it the country's job to incentivize healthier behavior? I mean, will they, will they uh, you know, come up with some contraption to throw you out of bed if you sleep too long? Will they force you to go to a gym if you don't exercise enough? Where do you draw the line? If you're giving them this kind of power, where do you draw the line? How do you say, well, you can control us to here, but but no further. I, I, I am uh, baffled by our willingness to let them do this to us. Uh, all right, 874-9390-800-529-5572. Brian, I'm going to burn through all of these topics because I have a ton of them that I haven't gotten to. And since I got up so early to put them together, I, I think I should. Uh, so uh, Gas Tax Revenues Reason Magazine writes, Decline as cars get more efficient. How will government pay for roads? Government's mandating battery-powered cars. There is no gas tax. They drive on the road. They do not buy gasoline, so they're not paying a gas tax. The way around that is that uh, some states, Missouri is one of them, uh, where we uh, we charge more uh, for license plates. I think it's the, the plates, the, the registration, to offset it. But there are hybrid cars, and they're getting better mileage. And we're not raising the tax on gasoline. Everybody resists that, including me. So how do you pay for the highways? How are we going to get the potholes filled? How are we going to improve Interstate 70 or 63? How, how are we going to make it so that uh, the roads are constantly improving and better if we don't have the money to do it? How can you do it? Well, you could try mileage, report your odometer reading, and then charge you X number of dollars uh, when you go get your license plate. But that could be one hell of a hit if you did it all at once. Could be hundreds of dollars just to get your license plates. So maybe they have to take it out of your, you know, it gets you to pay it a little bit at a time. But how do they do that? I don't know. I, the solution to me is privatize the roads and charge. This is how much your vehicle weighs. This is how much we're going to charge. I don't know how else to do it, but if you've got an idea, I'm all ears. 
you can say cut out all the waste, and there's a lot of it, and I'm not opposed to that. I, I, but I don't think that works in the long run. Because eventually, even if you could do it, and I seriously doubt bureaucracies will efficiently eliminate all their waste, but even if you could somehow pull that off, eventually you'd still run short on funds. These cars are getting astronaut. I've got a I've got a Luxo land yacht. I mean, this car is four thousand pounds if it's an ounce, and I'm getting nearly I'm getting thirty miles to the gallon. Thirty. When I was a kid, if you were getting good mileage, you were getting ten or fifteen. I'm buying half as much gasoline and going twice as far. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Are you willing to let them charge you on a monthly basis? Uh, because you got to pay. The roads are, don't maintain themselves. How do you do it? And in this case, the government mandating these astronomical mileage limits and battery-powered cars, they're, they're slitting their own throat when it comes to highway funds. And by the way, I might point out the highway, the battery-powered cars should be charged way more because their excessive weight not only pollutes more in terms of tires, but it also wears down the roads more quickly. How do you come up with the funds to maintain the roads? 874-9390-800-529-5572. Even if you let them have your access to your odometer. Not that people would never think of changing their odometers. No. But how do you do that and make it an affordable payment? You know, a couple of cents on the gallon, you can swing. What if at the end of the year you get a $600 bill? How to fund the highways. You come up with the solution. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It's 11.50, and uh, I was sent a link when I was talking about Donald Trump and his accomplishments. Uh, and it is uh, from uh, Paul Bedard in the Washington Examiner's a list of 289 accomplishments in just 20 months. Uh, and he starts off on the wrong foot right away. Uh, his successes uh, in reducing the cost of taxes, and I agree with that, and regulations. I disagree with that. Regulations increased under Donald Trump. So did national debt. It skyrocketed under Donald Trump. Were there good things he did? Yes. Uh, but much of this is, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's nothing. In some cases, it's actually not good. Um, cutting taxes resulted, and I give him credit for that, in uh, helping with employment and driving the economy. I don't disagree with that. That's all one lump sum. Uh, increasing employment lowering ta is, is the result of lowering taxes. That's why I thought he did a good job on that. But he didn't get rid of regulations. He did pass tariffs, which are a tax. Taking the money from one pocket or the other pocket doesn't matter much. Uh, it's, it's, it's Bravo Sierra. He did not drain the swamp. Uh, let me see, where was I going here? Brian, I was I was on a roll here trying to get through everything and uh, pushing things along uh, at great speed. Uh, we talked about the gas tax. That was the other thing. I got a message on the gas tax. 
and the message on the gas tax was, as a fair tax supporter, I do not know why you're not having a sales tax the highway department. I, I'm not sure what that means. Uh, we have a sales tax for the highway department. It's the gas tax. Uh, so I, I, I'm not I'm not sure where you're going here. There, if you're going to use gas taxes, you've got to continue to consume gas. And you've got to consume it at a pretty reasonable rate in order to, to keep the highways up to date. The problem is we're not consuming as much gas. In some cases, we're not consuming gasoline at all. So a, a fair tax on the highway doesn't work. Privatizing the roads, he says, shows how little you know about the transportation system. Well, maybe I know more than you think. You know, roads weren't originally paved or laid out by the government. It was it was originally private marketplace. I mean, going back to the to the time when they were paving roads with logs, and I'll bet that was a smooth ride. But that's how they that's how roads got got made and laid out. It was the private marketplace. You you were a logger and you wanted to bring your lumber to the market. You needed a road, you made it. But but uh, he goes on to say that uh, you can never uh, privatize this. It would never work. You'd pay astronomically more per person uh, for that approach. And there's no way to charge for every single road in our system. Well, actually, there there is. You turn the private marketplace loose. They'll have systems that interact with each other from state to state, county to county, district to district. There are ways, and it would be simplified. I guarantee you, it may sound complex on the outset, but they, the private marketplace, would find a way to actually make it uh, uh, workable. What is this? Did you see this, Brian? The U.S. Summit, they were eating hamburgers uh, made with Wagyu beef? No. Are you serious? That's oh, right wow, I, there it is. I just glanced up at, at Fox News. U.N. Summit meat menu slammed <laughs> as hypocritical. They want you to eat cockroaches, but they're eating hamburger made of Wagyu beef. Well, at least they all drove electric cars to get there, right? Well, no, they, they flew on jet planes that burned oh, fuel. And that's right. Sorry. Probably had... a. Boku limousines driven by gasoline-powered <laughs> engines. You can't make it up. You know, the only place I've tasted Wagyu beef is CC City Broiler. Hey, did I tell you that they've got their deal, their, the uh, uh, gift cards going on? Yes, you did the other day. If you want to buy a gift for somebody, you're looking for that, just what are you going to get them? You don't know. Uh, they're like Brian. I mean, what do you get someone like Brian? He's had everyone. <laughs> so so uh, you get them a gift certificate from CC's. Well, if you spend $200, and you, I mean, that's, what a terrific, that, that's outstanding. They'll give you two of their fillets, and they are the best you can buy. And they give them to you. In the meantime, whoever gets the uh, little gold uh, card, wow, they're in for a treat. It's my favorite place. The CC City Broiler dinner is pretty much uh, filled up, by the way, on the 16th. 
if you want in, uh, what usually happens is somebody will drop out. Somebody will say, uh, you know, I was ready to go, and then uh, so-and-so my family threw a party in Poughkeepsie, and I, I got to go there. If you want to, I'll put you on the backup list. Uh, and if something breaks, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you in. Uh, that'll be the 16th, 12 noon, CC City Broiler. In the meantime, we got Glenn Beck coming up. Sean Hannity after that. Randy Tobler will be with us. Tomorrow morning, it's Gary on Guns. And um, it, it's going to be fun because we're going to have Larry Wayland in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And he usually brings in Scott Van Kirk, uh, former law enforcement firearms trainer. So it'll be good. And then there's show and tell. That's probably my favorite part of the program is show and tell. Um, but there are a couple of uh, things that have happened this week, including uh, shooting at uh, UNLV, University of uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. And I know that we're going to have Democrats crawling out of the woodwork, screaming, we need gun control. It's just every time. Now, why these... would you think that? Oh, history. Oh, that's the way they think. <laughs> Uh, by the way, they're now arguing that uh, we need to ban forks because every time they find an overweight person, they discovered they've used silverware <laughs> to eat their dinner. Um, so, you know, it's a very popular way to put on weight. We'll have to we'll have to ban those. Uh, but that's just the way they think. So we'll cover all that, uh, the shootings and more tomorrow. And uh, Michael sent me a message. You didn't name who would take a bigger hammer to the apparatus. Any libertarian that's running, Michael, any libertarian that's running. Donald Trump didn't take that big a hammer. He really didn't. Ronald Reagan was probably more effective in that, in, uh, in that light. But if you're looking for someone who... I'm telling you, you can hide behind, oh, gee, if, if we don't vote for the Republican, the Democrat gets in. But I'm telling you, it isn't going to change. It's not going to get better. It's just going to continue to get worse. They will continue to spend. They won't make the hard decisions. They're more concerned with re-election than making things right. And it won't change, especially at the federal level. The system has been corrupted, and they're not willing to take a stand. we got to run whatever it is in life that you want. Go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. And Gwen, baby, buddy, I'm coming home.